Well, good morning. It is good to be here today. The songs and the words that have already been expressed have humbled us, has brought us closer to God, and it is just a joy to be here with you. God is the creator, and man is the creature. God is the potter, and we are the clay. God is the sovereign, and man is the subject. When we truly understand and we truly acknowledge our role and our place before God and our creator, when we really understand that, It is his will that supplants our will. It is his plans that take precedence above our plans. It is his laws that supersede men's laws, and it is his word that dethrones our word. Before Jesus ascended back to his father, He told the 11 apostles in Matthew's account of the Great Commission, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What does that mean? Well, what that means is Jesus, the Son of God, possesses fully and completely the right and the power to command, to expect and demand obedience and to judge disobedience. It is Paul the Apostle that writes in Ephesians how God the Father has seated his Son far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. In a practical sense, what does that mean? Well, that that means is all men are accountable to the Son of God. That's what that means. We are all under Christ Jesus, the Son of God. We are under his authority. We are under his lordship. His word, his teaching, his covenant now rules. It governs, and it governs us and everybody in everything. So I want to ask you a question, and that is this. Are we still under the law of Moses with its Ten Commandments, Are we still required to keep those commandments today? The simple answer is no, but don't take my word for it. Let's look at the scriptures. Let's look at the scripture and see what God says about his laws and the law of Moses and the law of Christ and how that all plays out and where we fall into that picture. From the beginning, man has been accountable to God. That has always been the case. It is Paul the apostle that argues in Romans when he says, sin is not imputed where there is no law. If there was no law, man would not have sinned. But there is law. Sin is the violation of God's laws. That's what sin is. It's transgressing God's laws, God's rules and ordinances. And we are clearly presented in the scriptures that sin reigned in the world even before the law of Moses ever existed. 
before the law of Moses was even in place, before the Ten Commandments you know, were given as a portion of that law, sin reigned in the world. From Adam onward, men have sinned. Why is that? Because man has always been accountable to God's laws. Before God spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai, before that great event happened, and the amazing story that unfolds after that in the relationship that God has with his people Israel, before all of that happened, there were laws, divine laws, that men were required to keep. For example, Adam in the Garden of Eden... Adam in the Garden of Eden disobeyed God when he he ate of that forbidden fruit. When he ate of the tree, God told him, don't eat of. And when he did that, he sinned. He broke a divine law. And there was consequences that resulted from that. Genesis chapter 4, the example of Cain. Cain, a son of Adam, disobeyed God when he offered an unacceptable sacrifice. He disobeyed God. He violated the will and the law of God that applied to him. In Noah's day, men in Noah's day disobeyed God's laws. Well, they disobeyed Galatians how? When? Well, when they did evil. And when they committed wickedness against God, they were disobeying God. Why is that? Because there were laws in place at that time. And so before Moses ever came onto the history of mankind and became a, an amazing servant of God, you know, to glorify him and to you know, carry out his mission that God chose him to do, you know, there, there was no, as far as we know, there was no recorded code of law such as the Ten Commandments before Moses. But man still was required to obey and worship God. There were laws there because sin is not imputed when there is no law. And sin reigned from Adam onward. And so, men then were expected to submit to the laws of God that he had communicated to them. They weren't written down like he did in the time of Moses, but they had law. That has always been the case. That the creature is liable, is accountable to the creator. The clay is to be molded and allow his will to be molded to the potter's hands. The one who is sovereign is to be subjected by the citizens under the king. Well, at Mount Sinai, though, at Mount Sinai, God did make a covenant with Israel. God did do that. And God gave them, God gave Israel his written laws through Moses. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses you know, reminded the nation of Israel about their covenant relationship. And that covenant relationship was unique. That covenant relationship was specific. For example, reading there in the first five verses of Deuteronomy, if you will open your Bibles, 
your Old Testaments to Deuteronomy chapter five. I'm gonna begin at verse one and it reads, then Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, and so here's Moses, he is standing before the nation of Israel and he has summoned them and he has some words he needs to share with them. He has some things he needs to tell them. And that's what Deuteronomy is all about. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the ordinances which I am speaking today in your hearing, that you may learn them and observe them carefully. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. Horeb is another name for Sinai. Same mountain, just two different names. And so at Horeb, at Sinai, God made a covenant with them, he says. And the Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, with all those of us alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face at the mountain from the midst of the fire while I was standing between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire and did not go up the mountain, he said, up the mountain, yeah, and, he said, and he said, I am the Lord. He continues to expound to him in these words. And in this chapter, you have a retelling of what we call the Ten Commandments and a number of other laws as well. Turn maybe a page or shift your digital uh, Bible to chapter 6. You look at verse 1 and 2, and it reads, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgment which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land where you are going over to possess it, so that you and your son, your grandson, might fear the Lord your God, keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. God, here's Moses reminding Israel, the nation, God made a covenant with you and he gave you laws. And he says, they are specifically to you. You are unique in that. The ancestral fathers in Genesis did not have such a covenant. Now, God spoke to those fathers, and God made promises and had different covenants with them, but to Israel, the nation, he had a very unique and specific covenant. And that's what Moses said. Hey, God did this from Mount Sinai onward with us. He did it with Israel. He didn't do it with the surrounding nations either. All the other nations around Israel, Egypt, Syria, all these others we read about in the Old Testament, God did not make that covenant relationship with them, and he did not give them the same law. God's covenant and the law that came with that with Israel required Israel to obey all of God's statutes, all of God's ordinances, all of God's judgments. Why? Well, because God chose Israel to be his people. That's why. He chose them to be his people and he gave them laws that would sanctify them as a holy nation of God. We see that in Exodus chapter 19, when he, he's there at Sinai for, for the first time, and he, ta- he calls Moses up, and he says, okay, if they will do this, they'll be my people, they'll be my possession, and they'll become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Well, Moses in Deuteronomy is reminding them of that over in the 26th chapter In Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 18 and 19, you see that. God chose them, God gave them the law to make them a holy nation that that would be his. Lord, in verse 18 of chapter 26 of Deuteronomy, the Lord has today declared to you by his people, to, to be his people, excuse me, the Lord has today declared to you to be his people, a treasured possession, as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments. 
and that he will set you high above all nations, which he has made for praise, fame, and honor, that you shall be a consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. Another way of saying, so that you will be a holy people of God. So God chose you, God made a covenant with you, you agreed to that covenant, and he gave you laws so that you would be wholly his in a holy way. All of that falls into harmony with what God promised all along through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It was God's promised plan that this take place. And so this law or covenant law that God gave and made with Israel through Moses It did. It consisted of the Ten Commandments. That's a portion of it. But it also consisted of a lot of other laws. Moral laws that are not numbered among the ten. Civil laws that are not numbered among the ten. Religious laws that are not numbered among the ten. But all of that together made the law. That was the law of Moses. It included the Ten Commandments plus all of these other laws. But then, generations later, hundreds of years later, God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah, and what does he say now? So generations later, Moses has been gone for centuries at this point. Through Jeremiah, God promises the disobedient nation of Israel, a nation that was chosen and consecrated to be holy, but is unholy. So God promises them now through his prophet Jeremiah that I am going to make a new covenant and it's going to be different from the one I made with you at Sinai. The the former one that I made and gave you when you came out of Egypt. And so Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31, it reads, days are coming, emphasizing in the future sometime, In the future, some days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. I will make. When God says, I will, he does. That simple. He says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke. They broke that covenant. So I'm, I'm going to make a new covenant because they broke that covenant. They violated that. They became an unholy people to me. And he goes on in verse 33. He says, this is the covenant which I will make, the new one, the new covenant he's going to make with the house of Israel after these days. I will put my law within them on their heart. I will write it and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they will not teach again each, each man you know, his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, because, Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So here's God saying, I'm going to make a new one. It's going to be different from the old one. But in this new one that I'm going to make, he says, These laws are not going to be written on tablets of stone. These laws ultimately are going to be written in the hearts of those individuals who are forgiven people, and those forgiven people are my people. But then you jump to the New Testament. And Galatians 4, 4 tells us that in the fullness of time, the Son of God is born of a woman, born under the law. 
Jesus Christ was born while the law of Moses was still in place. Jesus Christ was born while that law was still valid and in force. And Jesus obeyed the laws of that old covenant, that law of Moses. Those are the laws that Jesus obeyed because that's what was required of Israelites. And that's who Jesus was. Jesus was an Israelite. He was a descendant, as Matthew 1 t- describes to us. You know, he, says, he was a descendant of Abraham. He's a descendant of, of Isaac and Jacob. He's a descendant of, of David. And so since he is a descendant of that family and that nation, Jesus was a Hebrew. Jesus was an Israelite. Jesus was a Jew. And he was liable and accountable to live under the law of Moses. That's the law that was in place when Jesus was born. And he respected that law highly. He had the greatest respect of the law of Moses. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 19, it talks about, he, he, he taught in the Sermon on the Mount about one who annuls the, the smallest commandment of this. You know, is not worthy to enter the kingdom of God. And so, that, so he had the greatest respect for the law of Moses. And so he lived under the law, but he lived it without sin. He was, as Daniel said, the only man ever to have lived on earth throughout time, still time to come, to live innocently, perfectly in obedience to the heavenly Father's will. And he did so by living under and by the law of Moses. And he never committed a single sin. No other Israelite did that. No other Jew did that. From Abraham on. (laughs) Carrie talked on the invitation on Wednesday night and naming just great men of faith, but they were fallible men and they sinned and they needed God's grace and mercy and forgiveness. Only, and Jesus did it while living under the law of Moses. And that's why in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, and Jesus, before he goes back to heaven, after his resurrection says, he says, the son of man had to fulfill all the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus fulfilled everything that the law and the prophets and the Psalms spoke concerning. He satisfied the requirements of the law completely. He completely, Pleaded and accomplished the law's purpose. But God promised through Jeremiah, but I'm going to make a new covenant that's going to be different from that covenant that had the law of Moses attached to it. Because a purpose of the law of Moses was to prepare for the coming of Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, in Galatians chapter 3, there in verse 19, the Apostle Paul is presenting a defense for the gospel to, and reminding the saints who lived in this territory called Galatia, he's reminding them that their justification is not through the law of Moses, it is through Christ and a system of faith, a different covenant, a different law. But in verse 19, talking about that old law, the law that was given 430 years after Abraham, he says, why the law then? You know, if, God, if God had a greater purpose, why did, he even ha- why did he even introduce the law of Moses? Why the law then? He says, it was added because of transgression. In other words, he was added because of sin. 
because men are sinners. They needed a law. Having been ordained to the angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. This law was given until something, until someone. God never intended the old law of Moses to be permanent. And that law consisted of the Ten Commandments and all the other ordinances. It was a huge system of laws. But it was never intended that to be permanent. It was only until the seed would come. And we're told in verse 16 who that seed is. It's Christ. When God made the promise to Abraham, in your seed all nations will be blessed, God in his mind and his will and purpose was planning his son to be the seed, to be the blessing to all people. And so when he came... When the seed, Jesus Christ, came and fulfilled the law and all the purpose, it is then that law became obsolete. Justification by faith in Christ has replaced the law of Moses. Justification by faith in Christ has replaced the law of Moses. Now, that does not mean there are not divine laws you and I are liable to. Now, there are still ordinances, statutes, and judgments that we are under, but it's not the ones found in the law of Moses. It's the ones found in the new covenant of Christ. And so, justification by faith is going to be found in Christ. We're not under the law of Moses anymore. As Hebrews 8.13 in quoting Jeremiah 31 reminds us, that law has become obsolete. It's an obsolete system to reconcile us. It is an obsolete system to sanctify us, to justify us, you know, to make us righteous before for God, to save us. That system, the law of Moses and the covenant he made with Israel, cannot redeem you. It cannot save you and it will not justify you. Even if you could, from this point onward, perfectly keep every law of the law of Moses, it would not save you. God established a new covenant. A covenant in Christ, a covenant through Christ, a covenant by Christ. And that's why he says this old law and this first covenant, it is, it is obsolete. It cannot save you. It will not justify you. Even though the law, yes, the law foreshadowed better things to come. It clearly teaches that. The law was a preparation. It foreshadowed great things to come. But when Christ came and fulfilled the law of the prophets and the Psalms, Christ took away that law. It became obsolete. Because now you have the perfect one. The lamb, the true lamb of God that can take away your sins. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9 and verse 10, it reads... Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. Speaking of God in Christ, you know, he has said, Behold, I have come to do your will. 
And that's exactly what Jesus did. He came to do the divine will, to offer the ultimate sacrifice that only he could make. Because we are sinners. And so what what did he do? Verse nine goes on to read, he takes away the first in order to establish the second. Speaking of these two covenants, you see that in the context of chapter nine and chapter 10 of Hebrews, the old covenant referring to the one he made at Mount Sinai and the giving of the law of Moses. And now the new one, the second one that comes with Christ, he takes away the first in order to establish the second by this will. What will? The second covenant. That's the will. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So therefore, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ and the new covenant are God's measure of authority which we are to obey now. That's the covenant that we're under. We're not under Moses. We're not under the first and old covenant that God made with you know, Israel at Mount Sinai. We're not, we're, we're not under the Ten Commandments. That's part of the old law. We're not under all the other moral, civil, and religious laws. That's all part of the old law. We're under a new covenant you know, with its laws, laws of righteousness and holiness and redemption. It is for that reason on that occasion in Matthew chapter 17, the occasion that we call the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, he goes up to, on this mountain and, and you see Elijah the prophet and Moses the lawgiver appear to Jesus to talk to him. And so you got these three great beings, the son of God speaking with two prophets from the Old Testament and it is then that God speaks out of a cloud and tells the, 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 the three disciples who are present. There's only three disciples who are present. It was Peter, James, and John. There's the only one there who actually witnessed this particular event and is then recorded for us by the work of the Holy Spirit. It is at that time God the Father speaks out of a cloud and said, you know, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased hear him. The point he's saying, listen to the son. He didn't tell them to listen to Elijah. He didn't tell them to listen to Moses. No. He didn't tell them to listen to the great prophets of old. No. He said, you listen to my son now. Now those great prophets lived under and by the old covenant, that first covenant, the law of Moses. That's what they were accountable to. They were Israelites uniquely and specifically required to walk by faith in obedience to that covenant. But with the coming of Jesus, God says, now that's all going to change. Now you need to listen to my son. You're not here to listen to the prophet Elijah. You're not here to listen to Moses. You're here to listen to my son, the Christ, the Lord. And it is for that reason then, in other passages, they clearly emphasize the authority of Christ, who is God-chosen sovereign, that we see in the Great Commission of Matthew 28. Jesus himself says, you know, you know two apostles, to the eleven, about spreading the gospel and making disciples from all, all nations, and he says, and teaching them to observe what? 
He says, you apostles, go spread the gospel and you teach other people to observe all that I commanded you. He doesn't tell, he doesn't say, teach them to observe all that Moses commanded you. Or teach them all the commandments God commanded through Moses. No, that's not what he says. He says, no, you go and you teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Or in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, where we're told faith comes from hearing and hearing from or by the word of Christ. If you, you know, the faith that's going to save us is a faith that has to be rooted in and instructed by the word of Christ, not the words of Moses. That's not the faith that we need to have. We're not here to follow Moses. We're here to follow Christ. And so it's the word of Christ that's going to direct us in the one faith that has been once for all delivered to mankind. And it is that system of faith is going to save those that believe and obey Jesus Christ. Or in conclusion, you think about Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16, where clearly Paul, in the defense of the gospel, says the gospel of Christ, that's the context, the gospel of Christ, it's the power. It's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. It's not the, it's not the commandments which Moses spoke to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. Those commandments are not, are not the power that will save us. Because that law and that system has been replaced by a new covenant, a justification by faith in Christ Jesus. So the omnipotent sovereign of all men has spoken, has he not? God Almighty has spoken and he has established the fact and the truth that his son, Jesus Christ, his son is the preeminent authority now to be respected and obeyed. Jesus is the Christ, not Moses. Jesus is the Lord, not Elijah. And so therefore, it is Christ's covenant, it is Christ's commandment, it is His laws and His teaching and His word and His gospel. All of that is what is to be upheld. It's that what's to be observed. It's that what's going, that needs to be obeyed. It's what Christ has revealed to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's God's plan now. Israel had a, an important part to fill in God's plan of bringing Christ into the world. And the law of Moses played a very important part in that plan to try to sanctify and consecrate a nation as holy to God. But the people were not holy. And God still kept his promises and God still fulfilled his purpose. And he says, now we have a new covenant. It's the covenant of my son. Hear him. Listen to what Christ has revealed to you in the gospel, in his word, in his revelation. And it's Jesus Christ that says to all sinners, 
That to be saved, to be forgiven, to be right with God, you must believe not only that God is, you must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He died on Calvary's cross and arose from the dead. Not just believe He died for you. You've got to believe He died for you and He rose on the third day. You've got to believe that with all your heart. And if you do, and you've not submitted to the one who's now the King, the one who is now the Lord, if you've not done that yet, It is Jesus who says that the believer must repent. He must make a change in his life. He must turn away from sin, be willing to confess his faith all of his days that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and be buried with him in baptism, immersed in water, because that's what Jesus commanded. Not men, but Jesus. That's what God instituted. And God says, listen to Jesus if you want to be saved. If you're not a Christian and you're ready to make that commitment and make that allegiance, we invite you, encourage you, please come forward, make your wishes known while we stand to sing the song that's been selected.